And so the Warriors picked up a big win against the uh, basically the top team in the NBA, the Boston Celtics, on Saturday. The first ABC game of the year as well. I don't know if you realized that or not. I didn't realize that, but I figured it was. It was eight, 8.30 games. I ain't surprised if you didn't. Yeah. Then, no, didn't realize it was going on because who puts the first weekend game on at 8.30? Right? But that's not the point. The Warriors beat the, the Celtics in what some people are going to say, the rematch the rematch of the NBA Finals, what could potentially be another matchup in the Finals if the Warriors get it together and the Celtics hold it strong. Of course, the Warriors' best players have played the night before for the most part. Uh, Ty Jerome got star point guard minutes while Steph sat out. And, of course, they sat out because of back-to-backs. And I prefer that. I'm not going to go all into back-to-backs. Like, we're playing one team. We know we got a big matchup that next game. I'm sitting players out the first game. Especially a big TV game, so they did it the right but like I said, the Warriors have been struggling a little bit. They're fourteen and thirteen now with that win. Do you think this is the part? This is where they pick it up, getting into Christmas, finna start getting into the real part of the season, as most people might say. Do you think the Warriors pick it up from here? <sighs> Tough to say. I-, I wouldn't be surprised if they did, uh, especially getting a good game out of Steph and Clay and Jordan Poole, all three of them playing well. Um, Weekend deeper into December, which means it's gonna. I mean, if the season don't feel real to you, it's gonna feel even realer going forward. So mm-hmm. at some point, we do expect them to kick it in, in gear. But honestly, I can't really say. I'm not surprised to see them play well against a quality opponent. But I feel like I won't be surprised if they play. What they, I don't know what their schedule is, but whatever random team next, and it's not a great team, and they right. lost the game. So. I think they, they just got up for this game because it's a big game. It was in Boston, right? Mm-hmm. In Boston, Boston, where you won. No, it was in Golden State. It was in Golden State. Go okay, my bad. Go uh, big game, but still a big game. Gets the team you beat in the finals, and you don't want to give them no type of edge. So it's like come out and uh, have a you know I mean, have a great game or whatever. So I'm not gonna put myself out there and say yeah, I expect them to turn it around now. Um, but I I wouldn't be surprised to see them have these type of showings against. Better teams. I know they don't really answer the question, but no, not not mean. Like I so said, you never know because it's still a long season. And for the Celtics, who I'm pretty sure wanted to win this game, Jason Tatum hasn't necessarily had the best week overall. This week, he's had a couple, couple bad, a couple subpar games, and therefore his standards of this year. Um, do you think the grind of the first half of the season and with the way he's been playing? It's kind of catching up to Jason Tatum, and he, you know, getting to Christmas might be one of those things that we hope the Celtics aren't looking to do because get the, you know get some breaks in there. But do you think Jason Tatum is ready to get a couple get days worth of break, you know, some rest in there? Yeah, and, and I mean they was on they've been on such a crazy crazy win streak, uh, just you know, just a crazy start to the year overall, playing really well. Hit them, play everyone's way too early MVP list. Jason Tatum is probably at the top of those people's list. Um, so definitely he probably could use, you know, a day off, you know, going forward as the, you know, the grind of the season gets you. Um, I don't know when their next game is, but yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he could use a day off uh, just to kind of, you know, get it back in, in the gear or whatever. But Jason's been playing really well this year. So I'm like, you know, I don't know people let a few bad games and throw them off right. the season that he's happy because he's been looking great. Jalen Brown looked great last night, so I always like that. <laughs> no, yeah. no, yeah, for sure. And with that being said, I'm John W. 
Fresh eggs. And we are the Hoopers. And just speaking of Jalen Brown real quick, I didn't get to read the um, the whole thing he was saying. I don't know how much of it was it actually. But he came out the other day and said that him and Jason Tatum are the best duo in the league. And I'm kind of on his side with that because if you look at what they both bring offensively and defensively, the consistency they have with always being on the court and whatnot, you don't really see them getting it. those two getting injured much, which makes a difference for a team like with a team like the Celtics, like you expect them to compete, not only in your conference, but in the whole league, our two best players have to be there every night as well for the most part. Do you agree with Jalen that they are the best duo, or do you think that they might be the best duo in the league? I mean, coming off of the NBA Finals appearance, they didn't complete the mission, obviously, but coming off of the NBA Finals appearance, currently the best record in the league, it's hard to argue against them. Um, I'm just trying to think some duos that would immediately come to mind. Obviously, LeBron and AD, Kyrie and KD, um, Paul George, Kawhi. Paul George, Kawhi, Stephen Clay. Would you say Stephen Clay? I don't know. That's a weird. That's a weird. I feel like it's just. I feel Steph. like it's. I feel like it's, I feel like it's David Ruffin and the Temptations out there. Right. So, um, I honestly, Chris Middleton and Giannis. Oh yeah. Um, I honestly probably would put them at the top right now. I feel like they complement each other. Amazingly, they don't get in each other's way. I never felt like they did. I was at the top of the you people are crazy for talking about trading one list <laughs> unless you trade Jalen Brown to Atlanta, bring him home. Um, uh, but yeah, it's, and then of course we had the off season where you know there was the, the potential KD trade and things like that. But I honestly probably would say yeah, they 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 probably are the best duo in the league right now and. Especially because they're giving it to you both sides, offensively and defensively, and uh, playmaking wise, they both, you know, can create for others as well. So definitely, probably have them at the top at this moment. They they're at the top right now. No, yeah, I can definitely um, see that. Like I say, it's like I say, my thing with them is, so they did get to the finals last year, even though they didn't win it. But like, it's the consistency of having them both out there for. 75, 80, 90% of the season, which I don't think, you know what I'm saying? Most duos can even say for the most part. Right. Especially like when you think about someone like Kawhi and Paul George, who's, Kawhi's been hurt over the, since, you know, since his time being in the Clippers for the most, not for the most part, but for the latter years. Uh, my bad. One one I would throw out there that I don't think anybody's thinking of because we're looking at them as a complete team and not. I mean, of course, Zion. But Zion and Brandon, Brandon are a great duo. But because you have so many different pieces on that team that works to make that team so good, I don't think anybody's going to separate those two. Yeah. From the, well, not necessarily separate, but, make, but put those two above the rest of them, especially with a player like CJ on the team. Yeah, and I think they, they're probably up and coming duo, but it's just like you want to get the consistency there because Zion missed all last year. Pelicans at the top of the West as of recording today. Um, but Brandon Ingram has missed a good amount of games, so it's like you're not really seeing it yet, I guess. Right. But I definitely think that they could be a contender for that, uh, for sure. Nah, and speaking of the Pelicans, like say, who are now top seed in the West after being Phoenix uh, Friday, Friday night? Friday, Friday yes, night. Um, of course, the talk isn't necessarily even about Zion having a great game. 35. Or, or like say, the Pelicans being the first seed in the West, which I don't think anybody saw coming this year. But the talks, when there were talks about this game, was, of course, Zion getting the fast break and doing a 360 windmill with, like, three, four seconds left on the clock. And, of course, as you know, bas- basketball is a game old as 
anybody in the league is. So there are these quote unquote unwritten rules. And one of the unwritten rules, if you're up by so much, is you know you let it go. You don't dribble, dribble the ball out. You don't try to showboat. But if you're a young team like New Orleans, you're playing in front of your home crowd. I don't know if they knew this or not, but you get, you know what I'm saying, you beat the number one team on the West. Now you're the number one team in the West. They put you, they put them out in the playoffs last year. I know you are okay with it, but should people really have a problem with Zion getting that last dunk? Not even just Zion, anybody in that situation. Like, does that really need to be a big deal in 2022? I think those unwritten rules are made for like if we up 30 and y'all still shooting threes. We you up have 30, process, right? Yeah, we up 30. You running plays, you pressing full court. I think. For one, and I, Zion said after the game, I think if it happened again, I don't even think he would do it. But I think it was a big win for them. Kind of, even if it's not a measuring stick for the Suns, who've been at the top of the West the last two years, it, it had to feel good for the Pelicans. This helps put us in first place. We beat a team that we think can compete for the finals this year. This is a good notch on our belt. We're at home. They put, like Zion said, they put us out last year so they to get the win. I think he just was in the emotions of what happened. The fact that the game was, I mean, and I know the final score probably was like 10 or whatever, but it, I think it was about 10. Yeah, was but the fact that it wasn't a blowout, I just don't think it was that egregious. I just think they got the rebound. It was a big win. I'm hyped for our fans. I'm hyped for our team. This is a good team win, and he just dunked the ball. So I feel like if a team, and especially Fink, well, most of these players weren't on the team, but I mean, the Suns is a team that literally wheeled Devin Booker to 70 points when they was losing because that meant more than them winning the game. Um, but the unwritten rules are just silly to me at times. Um, like I said, if they were up 30, shooting threes, pulling from half court, trying to throw the ball in between somebody, like trying to show them up. It's the difference between show, showing somebody up, to me in my opinion, and what Zion did. And what Zion did wasn't trying to show them up. Um, so I ain't have a problem with it. I do got a problem with people talking, tra- like nobody ran up on Zion. Y'all talking that trash, you got all to say when you at the podium, approach him then. They, they say, I've been seeing on social media, oh, yeah, they're going to uh, a hard foul when he goes to the paint the next game. Who fouling Zion Williamson? Who fouling the – who going who to knock Zion out there? One, you ain't going to do it because you're weak enough. You're not strong enough. You're too weak. Two, touch that man and watch what happens out there. They're going to ride for Zion. So they better not do it in New Orleans. Definitely not in New Orleans. The fans might be on you if you try to yeah, do it in New Orleans. What currency say the Uber drivers be canceling rides? Right. But, like, trying to, you know, campaign has said something after the game. And I, I respect CJ's reply. Like, you, you should have been happy. You shouldn't have been You should have been upset at the fact that I was down. Not at that dunk. Forget the dunk. Get back on defense and let them, don't let them do it. Um, I think Chris Paul tried to get into Alvarado. Like Chris Paul is one of the dirtiest players in the history of the NBA. Like I, I don't want to hear that from basketball. Him. Basketball. I don't want to hear from Going him. He's been college. dirty since Wake Forest. Literally watched him punch Julius Hodge in, in nuts like it was no thing. I, ain't, I don't care what Chris Paul got to say about it. Show some pride on the court. Don't be upset after the game when you lose. Shout out to Zion. He threw that joint in there like it was easy. Like I've never seen somebody dunk so easily and powerful at the same time. It's like he's just throwing it in there, but he's breaking the rim at the same time. Oh, so, shout out to Zion. I hope he does it again. I don't think he would do it again. Even he acknowledged after the game, like, that's not even my character, but I just was hyped for me and my brothers. That's what he said, basically. No, nah, yeah, shout out to Zion. And I'm one of them people. Like, and he had 35. Like, talk about them 33 points y'all couldn't stop before <laughs> that moment. Like, man. Nah, for sure. And it's like, 
I don't know. I just don't have the biggest problem with it because it's like uh, we in front of our home fans. Like, like if he would have pulled up from half court, I'm like, all right, you trying now, to show us? Like, I would say this: if he would have threw it up in the air first and then 360 with me, I'm like, all right, yeah, you doing a little, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, that's a little, that would be a little extra. I, I, like I, if you would have actually tried to do something like this and slap, like I feel like a 360 with me is in his fast break repertoire. Like he right. would do that. With six minutes left in the game in the second quarter, he, like literally, he I think he would. That's just a, that's literally the dunk he's been doing since eleven. Right? Like, we been watching him do that. That's, on that's like that's that's in his dunk pack. Like right? like I, I literally think he would have did it. He probably looked at the time. I can't remember because I saw him slowing up to catch the dunk. But I don't think he looked at the time. I think he would have did it even if the time ran out because he just was hyped. That's a no, that's sure. a good win for a team trying to establish themselves as a serious team. No matter how people feel about the Suns because of their position the last few years. Oh, yeah. Shout out to Larry Nash for throwing the almost perfect pass where he didn't even have to do that. He didn't have to take off from that. He didn't have to do all the extra running dribble. Oh, I think yeah. he took one, one, two steps, one dribble, 360 with him. So shout out to Larry Nash. For shout out to Willie Green. He thought he was a player for a moment. He was ready to throw some hands. He like, <laughs> hey, look. So shout out to Willie Green. Yeah, for sure. Dallas Mavericks lost a tough game the other day against the Milwaukee Bucks. Milwaukee Bucks came down to the last possession. Mm-hmm. Um, if you watch the game, which you can see something that isn't really encouraging, especially if you feel how most people feel about the Mavericks and this team roster and offense, an offensive scheme. Uh, Luka did play the first six minutes in the fourth quarter where the Mavericks basically had 11, 12, 13-point lead and with like 6.45 left before he, Luka, I don't know exactly how what time Luka got back in the game, yeah. but it wasn't in the first like six six. Six minutes, eleven seconds at the first of the fourth quarter, mm-hmm. where Milwaukee just half the quarter. Yeah, right, half the quarter. Especially I think taking them up ahead of it. No, you good. And like I said, Milwaukee just kind of did what a former NBA champion team and a still contended NBA champion team would do. They took advantage of that. Giannis went on a run. Chris Middleton got hot. Drew got hot. And they just, you know, they were suffocating. The defense got better. When, by the time Luka got in, he was only able to keep them in the game and not keep them ahead and not get them ahead. But I want to read this quote from Jason Kidd real quick because I told you about this off, uh, not earlier when we were just talking. For 82 games, there's no way that he could play at this level. The usage, the usage is just way too high. No one, no one can. You know the things that we ask him to do on the offensive end and then ask him to defend on the other end. That's a lot. Before you respond, I want to read one sentence out loud one more time because I think it's me and you both probably with Jason Kidd. You know the things we ask him to do on the offensive end. So, Jason Kidd, of course, there was a quote like a month ago about um, Jaden Hardy coming up and Jason Kidd said hopefully he can get some playing time with that, you know, got basically, you know, we'll see. When is the coach that's coming out and now, I ain't gonna say, of course, he's not gonna say, I need to change my offense because I don't think he should change his offense. But when it's the coach that's coming out and he's kind of, as the Twitter world was, hey, gaslighting us, what's going on out there? Like, you're admitted that, you know, we're asking him to do this even though he might not be able to sustain it. At what point does the offense just stop, just breaks? Because, of course, Luka is gonna be great and it's going to be good while he's out there, but you're not going to have him out there for 48 minutes a night. Sure. At what point does even with Luke on the court, does the offense just start breaking? And if, even if he was out there for 48 minutes, he clearly wouldn't sustain this. It would be hard. You're going to get tired. Uh, you get more nicked up and stuff like that. And 
I I don't know. At some point, it's on Jason Kidd. Jason Kidd to make these adjustments. I want to say we've all given Jason Kidd his credit for, especially Dallas Tech making the Western Conference Finals, the step it seemed that he took with taking a step back, becoming an assistant coach, then getting the job as a head coach and getting the best out of Dallas last year and learning how to work with Luka. But it's like, but the more I watched him, I'm like, has his philosophies really changed that much, honestly? Or is it the player that he's leaning on already more finished product? Because watching him more and more, he's just trying to play Luka like he was trying to do with Giannis when he took over the Bucks. If we all remember, he's the reason Giannis got the ball, put in his hand more, started seeing him as a point guard, got his dribbling skills up, his usage was really high. I don't even know if that's, that's probably not the highest of his career, but if we go back, I'm pretty sure those years are some of the highest usage usage years of Giannis' career. And it's like you're doing that with Luka now. And as you've said multiple times, because it's easy for people to just be like, oh yeah, this is just how Luka want to play. But as you said, that's literally the offense because when Luka does get a break, he plays the same way with Spencer Dinwiddie. That's Jason Kidd's offense. So it's like, when do you add something else? When do you get more creative? When do you give other players more opportunities like Jada Hardy who's currently leading the, the G League in scoring. He came up last night because Luka didn't play uh, against the Bulls. I thought he was going to play in that game. It was reported that he was going to play and he didn't. Um, so I don't know what happened with that. Um, but for me, it's just like when do you do something different? Like we know y'all can run pick and rolls. Where, where's the, the man and ball movement? Uh, it's Sometimes it's just easier to pass the ball, go set a, go set a picks off the ball move around and you get it back opposed to you having to get a pick and roll, you have to run everything, you have to create everything that's happening. So a lot of Jason Kidd's quotes have just been weird to me this year because he's making some of these quotes as if he's not in charge. And initially I was like, all right, is this your way of maybe calling out Luca? But in that quote, he's he clearly says he's doing what we asked him to do. So is this a way of calling out uh, I was going to call him Kyle Potter. <laughs> Mark Cuban um, saying, hey, go get more help in these areas. Or, like, I like coaches being transparent. I like them thinking out loud and, uh, you know, just trying to giving us the ideas that go through their mind. You know, I, I, I don't want to be too negative of, of him of doing that because that's what we ask. Um, but at the same time, when are you asking yourself these questions and making the adjustments? Because I mean, y'all are steady falling in the standings um, at 13-13 now for a team that made the Western Conference Finals last year. Like, you got Luka. It's not over at all. Dallas is still going to finish top six, in my opinion, because the West is really tight. So you win a couple games, and you're right back there. Um, The league is really tight, honestly. Um, So the quotes are just weird, though, because it's like you're you're the coach as a kid. You're in charge. You want him to do something different. Give him something different. Maybe it's also calling out his teammates. Maybe that's what it is, too, because we're all just guessing anyway. Maybe it's calling out his teammates to say, hey, Luca needs y'all to do more. If y'all show me more, maybe I'll pull back from him. I personally think Dallas didn't make the right decisions over the summer. It's not just losing Jalen Brunson, but it's not adding something to that also. I said last year in Washington that I don't think Spencer Dinwiddie needs to be your second most important guard. He looked great last year once he became the third guard again. So some days he can be your initiator, and when he's not on, it's not that it's not a big deal, but it's not as big of a deal because you're not depending on him as much. And that's kind of what they're getting this year. Then when he has really good games, and then he has whatever games. 
I don't even know another guard on their roster after Dinwiddie and Luca. What they did what, just sign Campbell. They just got, signed Campbell. He did, who played in the game against Chicago but yesterday? What, but what other guards are they really playing? And, and and I don't think he's using Christian Wood to the best of abilities that he could. Um, especially just knowing that he can control their whole offense for them. That literally gives Luca break. So, you know, I appreciate Jason Kidd for being candid and for speaking out loud where he's kind of thinking. But I want to see him make the adjustments because we, the we, the, the media, the, the podcasters, social media have given him credit for saying, all right, we see you've gotten better. But are you continuing to get better, or are you just in this sweet spot? No, yeah, for sure. Because like you say, he's because like you say, like it, it's one thing if it's like you know we're trying to play different, but you know our players not allowing us to play differently. That's just how they want to play. But when you're at saying we're asking them to do this, like you have to understand like what's gonna come with it. Which maybe he does understand. Those, you know, maybe he does understand that's what comes with it. You know, the high usage rate, probably being tired in the fourth, the fourth quarters, not being able to give you his best effort defensively every game. But I don't think anybody's asking for, like, change your offensive philosophy, change your whole playbook up. And, you know, we're already a month, you know, two months into the season. But it's like, if y'all aren't necessarily being aggressive for getting, for upgrading those, you know, spots in the offense already, you gotta, you know, you gotta do more. Even if that's just simple ball player move, more ball player movement, especially when you have so many players whose game is predicated on cutting and, you know, getting to the rim like Dorian Finney-Smith, Dwight Powell, and uh, Josh Green, who's been a big part of the rotation in so, in so many of the games this year, especially when they have players out. Mm-hmm. Like I said, Jason Kidd made some adjustments last year. Going back to the head coach, maybe he'll figure out the adjustments to make again this year and get everything rolling because I think people at least expected Dallas to get back to the Western Conference Finals, if nothing else. But speaking of Dallas, I want to – this is, of course, going to be a question that's going to be tied to these two players – until they change teams or until their career is over. Every time you get on Twitter or whatever your social preferred social media site is and you look up, you know, talking about sports, the one thing that's seen to be always consistent is either people on the Hawks side saying that Dallas lost that trade or people on the Dallas side saying that the Hawks lost the trade. Because of course, no, neither one of them has won anything and both of them has been as far as the other one. But for some reason, you know, one team, one side won the trade, another side didn't. When they're really getting the same thing for both players, if you think Dallas and Atlanta can go back and not necessarily untrade trade Luka, because I think they'll make that trade a thousand times over. But do you think one team would have tried to get more? Because of course we know Atlanta got another pick, which turned into DeAndre Hunter, who's you know for no fault of his own, but because of injury. No, that pick was Cam. That pick was Cam. Yeah, it was Cam. It was Cam Reddish. Well, speak with with that being said, do you think they would try to, you know, they would adjust the terms to those trades? Because this, to me, it's a win-win for both teams. Both of them got the superstar that fits their team and their city. They both been to Western Conference, to the Conference Finals four years into their player's career. Say Cam got traded, that's probably the only down part of the trade. But do you think they would rework the trade to maybe one side could benefit more from the trade? I honestly think they both got out of the trade what they they wanted. And initially I said I felt like they both got the players that would fit the city more. Like, I think Luka would have been embraced here in Atlanta, but I I just think with Dallas all those years of having a superstar foreign player, it was going to be more comfortable there. And even coming into that point with that player still on the roster to kind of hand the baton to him, I think it just made more sense. Um, 
And then as far as Trey, just his style of game, his electricity, the shots he takes, the energy he brings. I think that that fits the city of Atlanta, formerly the highlight factory that he now plays in. Um, the you know the stars that come to the games and sit with him at times, Quavo, mainly Quavo, but you see Quavo there, future there. Uh, RP takeoff, takeoff back in the you know he would go. So I felt like they both got what they needed, and then what was always a cherry on top for everybody was in Atlanta. Oh, and we got another pig and can, which that was always kind of irrelevant to me. Um, which now it's like, what can you say? Because that pick has been traded; it's not even on the roster, and the player he was traded for isn't on the roster anymore either. So it's, it literally was a straight up Luca for trade. Trade. They both made the Western Conference Finals. Both of them averaged twenty eight and eight basically every year. Luca averages a few more rebounds. Trey typically averages a few more assists. Um, and they're both kind of at the same points right now. I personally, and I've been saying this, think Luca is the much better player. So even though I think Atlanta got the player that fits the city and somebody that the city embraced, I, I wouldn't have done, done the deal. Uh, I would have preferred the better player. And I think Luca is a much better player than Trey. No disrespect to Trey. Uh, I think Luke is a much better player than every young player in the NBA. I don't think it's close. I don't think none of them is on the same level. I've been saying it since last year. I ain't changing my tune. Um, but I think they both got what they wanted out of that trade. It's just the, especially the last couple of years, you get these back and forth with with the trade and the coach. So it kind of is it's like you feel like maybe it'll be a fear of losing him here if he keeps going back and forth with I mean, the coaches and they have these issues or whatever, but I think they both did what they were supposed to do and they're both starting to build the rosters around them to fit their games. And I think each city got the player that they needed. Trey is a great ambassador for Atlanta. You'll catch him around the city doing a lot of things out here. And Luca has been great for Dallas. No, I definitely can see where you come from with that. Because even on the other side, I literally just saw something saying that uh, Dallas has two years to convince Luka to stay. Yeah, and right, we've seen that too. They all, they all start doing this. Luka going to want to leave. And that's just, I feel like, that's just the talk. No, yeah. Everybody's allegedly going to leave if you don't do this in such and such time. Like, Dallas going to offer that man $250 million. He, well, he already signed his business, man. But when that's up, they're going to offer him $300 million. He's going to sign the extension, and he's going to stay in Dallas. Nah, Stop sure. playing. Nah, for sure. I want to take a um, pause real quick just to say uh, R.I.P. Paul Silas, one of the original OG black coaches that just players in the right. league of course long time Seattle Supersonic yep. uh, Juan LeBron first coaches in Cleveland mm. Paul Silas as a player was known for his defensive his defensive toughness especially on the boards um, no nonsense of course he came from the era that that's how you had to be growing up especially as a black man no nonsense straight to the point you know you don't cry about it you get up and you get another rebound and throw an elbow um First, I want to send condolences to Stephen Silas Jr., the head coach of the, of the Houston Rockets. I don't know if anybody put those that to, together that that's his son, but Stephen Silas is looking, you know, I hope you and your family is doing good that you guys get a chance to hear this after this news. But uh, Paul Silas was amazing. I know a lot of people look at him and say he was LeBron's first coach and LeBron didn't have any good coaches, but I think 
what Steve, what Steve and what Paul Silas brought to the game, excuse me, was so much more than X's and O's, and it was mentality and attitude, mm-hmm. which you also need for young players in the league. Which is why sometimes it's okay to hold on to veteran coaches because you never know what because you never know the role they're going to play in the players. You know, in the players' long career, short career, just their career in general. Especially at the beginning, as you're trying to. They're trying to enter the league. You want them around the right people. And he was like one of the right people to be around. Like I said, one of the few black coaches in the league at the time, uh, former player, big presence, and uh, just a solid person overall. So our, for sure, RIP to Paul Silas started his career with the St. Louis Hawks, uh, three-time NBA champion, two-time All-Star, five-time all defensive player and like you said he was a solid coach uh, like he never he never was a bad coach his teams always had a style about them um, so uh, R.P. Paul Silas no I'm sure I just wanted to stop and say that real quick because he's definitely going to be missed he was definitely respected in all circles of life when it came to the basketball when it came to basketball and the NBA in general Kevin Lamont Durant is having one. I don't know if that's his middle name. I'm just playing. No, it's uh, remember it's Wayne who <laughs> yeah, that last time. <laughs> Kevin Wayne Durant is having for all you know for people that who don't want to talk about is having an MVP caliber two months into the season himself. If you really look at it and where, especially you know look at his numbers and where his team is at. Of course, they got off to that shaky start. Started in the offseason with, you know, first the Kyrie thing about him, the Nets not wanting to offer him a long-term deal. Then KD asked for, you know, you either trade Steve Nash or you either fire Steve Nash or he trade me. Well, he wanted both Steve Nash and um, what's the GM name? Uh, Sean Marks. Sean Marks. He wanted both of them going first and foremost. But they did. They started off struggling. They, you know, got it together, started putting some wins together, players started playing better, started getting players back in the rotation that was healthy, that was hurt, like Steph Curry, excuse me, not Steph, but Seth, Ben Simmons started playing better, TJ Warren just got back. Of course, neither one of us have a um, MVP list right now, but for the ones we've seen, like I don't think we've seen too many people talk about KD having a chance to win MVP, but realistically, He's gonna keep this play up. He's gone as long as he's out there. He's give the Nets a chance to win. Do you think realistically there's no reason that he shouldn't be on the MVP watch list right now? Honestly, yeah. I mean, not that he should, but he should be on the MVP watch list. Uh, I said that yesterday. Shout out to Nick Andre. I saw him tweet it today. Uh, you know, through everything that's happened this year. The, Coming into the season with the drama, the Kyrie ADL situation, uh, Steve Nash being fired, we get 30 points per game from KD. He lead the league in minutes. He believe he's still at the top in total points. He's top four in scoring, five in scoring. I think, I think only Luca and Giannis average more than him right now. Everybody else is kind of, you know, tied at 30. Um, the Nets were under 500. Why, the reason why I tweeted what I said. I love the run that Anthony Davis was on. Loved him being aggressive. And even then, they lost the other day. Anthony Davis did play well. He had 31 and 12. Love that from him. But he plays good for seven games. And now he's on people's MVP list. He's a top five player when he's healthy. He's this and that. Durant got the net from being under 500 also. So they're currently, as of right now, December 11th, Sunday, they're in fourth place right now. 16 and 12. Um, they're really like a game out of third place, two games out of third place uh, behind Cleveland. 
And it's just like you get the consistent play from him. When he got hurt last year, I'm going to continue to play say that too because everybody like this part of the season that happened. When he got hurt in January, they were in first place and the team imploded on him. Um, and as you said, I, you don't expect much to change. Like, I understand I don't have an MVP list right now because it's December 11th. No, yeah, first and foremost. <laughs> but, I, but I'm not mad if you're formulating a list. I am mad if you had a list last month. But, if, you know, we're we're – we're almost 30 games in. So I'm not mad if you're formulating your list now. We're approaching the halfway mark. We're getting closer there. I respect it now. Didn't respect it last month. I'm not still making my list right now. But I understand if at the top of your list you got Jason Tatum because he's playing, he's averaging 30. Boston is at the top of the league. Cool, I understand that. I understand if you got Giannis. Giannis is Giannis. Probably the consensus best player in the league amongst most people. Steph is my best player in the league, but most people probably go with Giannis. Averaging 30, I don't know his stats right off the top of my head. I ain't even going to look at him. I'm sure he's 11 rebounds. They're second in the East. I'm sure he's having a block, a steal. He's doing Giannis things. After those two players, it's nobody that you can tell me is just way ahead of Kevin Durant in your MVP race. What are you talking about? Stats? He averaging 30, shooting whatever percentage from the field. We know he's 50, close to 50, 40, 90 right now. Don't know his stats right now, but I know he's close to 50, 40, 90. He's won a couple player of the weeks. I wouldn't be surprised if he ended up with a few player of the months. But who else is doing something that's just like virtually standing out? That's like, oh yeah, I gotta have him above. Or everybody else is gonna be neck and neck if you like. Joker, again, because you can always like him and what he's doing. Denver's in third place right now. Cool. Denver's in third place? Yep, they're in third. 16, 16 to 10. They, they kind of tied with Phoenix. No, it was 16 to 10, but third place, 16 to 10. Outside of that, I mean, like, Luka got the stats, but they're not really winning. Steph has stats, but they're not really winning. Um... Who and uh, after that, like who else do you people like people got AD on their shout out to him? The Lakers are under five hundred, and no, it ain't all his fault. But part of it is his fault that they under five hundred. Like so, I don't got AD ahead of Kevin Durant in, in the MVP race right now at this point. But I just think it's he's just gonna continue. He I feel like he's just still being penalized when he played with the Warriors. Honestly, I know he's already came out and said I've already won MVP. So the that part of the game doesn't push him anymore. That's not his motivation is to win the MVP. If it happens, it happens or whatever. But I think KD's going to end the year in the top three MVP. Uh, no, I, I think he got a good chance, especially if the Nets, how, how their season started and if they finish top three in the East, don't let them be top two. But if they finish top three in the East, I think it'll be hard not to give him MVP votes because he's going to... I, I can't say that I believe... Everyone's gonna continue to averaging 30, that's averaging 30 right now, except for KD. Like, I can see everybody else going to 28, 29, 27. Only person I'm sure at the end of this year is still gonna be averaging 30 points is Kevin Durant. No, I can respect that. And just like you say, because all the other MVP people on your MVP list are gonna be, we know who they are. I think Joker is probably the only person whose number is going down because you added his next two best players back right. on the team this year. Down is 23, 10, and 9. So, yeah. No, that's what I'm saying. But, but, but down, he averaged 26 last year. Yeah. But we know why he averaged 26 last year. That's exactly. because you know Michael Porter, you know Jamal Murray. Murray. You add those two players back, you automatically expect his number. You expect his score to exactly. dip down. Yeah. A player who I think should be out there who I have not seen anybody say or been on anybody's list once again, I don't have a list either because it's December 11th. 
if when it happens, we gonna go back. I'm gonna put this back on. Record, I'm gonna put this on Twitter. So when it happens, Zion Williamson should be somewhere on everybody's MVP list. I thought you were gonna say Donovan Mitchell. But I knew you was going on one. I seen some. I seen somebody say Donovan Mitchell. I seen somebody say Donovan Mitchell. I seen somebody say Donovan Mitchell should be should be an MVP candidate. And I don't have a problem with Donovan Mitchell. I just think Donovan Mitchell, for as good as he is and as great as he's been this year, his is more. This is what the team needed. Yeah, because he went to a team that was already... Like, they needed a shooting guard that was going to be healthy all year. No, no disrespect to Kyle Sixon. Like, they needed somebody who was going to be out there with Darius Garland. But Zion and what he's doing, we saw the Pelicans... Seven and four. Like, we saw the Pelicans last year, and you could also say, well, he's, you know, he's just been good for the team. Whereas I, Zion is bringing what you expect the MVP to bring. I know there was a conversation um, during the offseason that was asking was Zion already a superstar with how little he had played, but if you look at the one year he was in the league, he averaged 27. He was all-star. He was average 27 on crazy shooting, on crazy uh, shooting percentage. You know, he's an all-star, but he come back and missed the next year. So if you say no, it's like I understand because he hasn't put the work out there to be a superstar. But if you look at the actual game that he plays, the you know the effort, not even the effort, but the production, how that production goes into this team being better, how that, this team being better goes from a wild card play-in team to in the first in the league at two months in, and like I say, shout out to see them come, shout out to Brandon Ingram. Well, I think Brandon Ingram, if he plays enough games, he'll probably be their second All Star. I wouldn't be surprised if it's CJ McCollum, but Zion Williamson being the centerpiece of this team is probably the main reason why they are the, where they are at right now. I agree. Like you said, 27, 4, and 7. I mean, excuse me, 25, 4, and 7. 25 points, uh, 4 assists a game, 7 rebounds per game. Just the pressure he puts on the defense as a, an attacking player. Um, yeah, you got to give Zion his, his credit for all of this, honestly. Um, I, I definitely think in the Pelicans, like – I, I can totally see them finishing top four, too. So, uh, just because their team just fits well. They don't take no nights off. They're that young team that's hungry to prove that they're serious. Right. Um, so, you end the season, he's up there. You know what I mean? You, we supposed to reward winning. That's how Devin Booker became, you know, which he earned his spot. But that's how he came first team All-NBA last year. Got some MVP considerations um, because you got to reward that winning. And... When the last time we seen this from the New Orleans Pelicans, like so, he's that much of a change. Cause yeah, they they added CJ last year and that upgraded the team. That helped them solidify their playoff spot. They were the lowest play in wild card team to make it, um, and they put pressure on Phoenix. Didn't win, but put pressure on them. But from being a like. Injuries took Cleveland out of the top four. With Spider Donovan Mitchell is playing amazing, 29 points per game. He deserves some MVP consideration because even though he is what the team needed, he's all he's all of a basketball star. He's a basketball star. He he's he has made that team a serious team, in my opinion. But they got the second place last year. Yeah. And that was with Colin Sexton and a bunch of injuries. Like. Right. But the Pelicans is like a team that people are really taking serious. Like I'm not, they're not a Western Conference Finals team to me, but I can't say I'll be shocked if they made it. And without Zion last year, like like I said, you gotta acknowledge adding CJ also. But without Zion, this team was 
They didn't even they were struggling to win at this point in the season. Trade for CJ and you know Willie Green being a great coach that he is, you know, they clawed their way into getting playing territory. But to go from that playing territory, wild card territory, to the top of the league, and it's still early. But to, to be at the top of, of the top of the West, excuse me, not top of the league, but I mean, they are right there at the top of the league, probably third best record in the league right now. Top, to be right there, it's, it's, uh, Zion has a lot to do with that. No, for sure. Like I say, uh, yeah, I don't even know what else to add to that, but no, yeah, definitely, I think. Cause, like I said, I don't know how long the world is going to ride this street. They're going to be good all year. Like, finishing top three is going to be hard because it's the West. But it was like we were saying about Memphis last year. Even with Brandon Ingram out, even if Zion had to miss a game, they got these players that's going to run their system. They're all quality role players. Like, I, I, I've been talking a lot about Trey Murphy recently. I just That's coming off of maybe his worst game this year. But I just like how he played. Herb isn't out there right now, but that's an all-NBA defender. CJ is an all-star player, even though he hasn't officially been an all-star yet. But Brandon Ingram has missed the last however many games. Then you get into Larry Nance, solid player. Um, um, Alvarado, solid player. Um, uh, what's my, well, I can't think of a uh, guy on the team. Um, they just got a lot of solid players on the team. They got a lot of opportunities. Valentunas, yeah, there we go, Valentunas. They have a lot of solid NBA players where they can win games, especially during the regular season. They can win games without their best players out there. So you definitely, Definitely have to salute to uh, definitely salute to this team, man. No, yeah, like I say, salute to Willie Green for what he's brought and helped that team do. Before we get out of here, I want to talk about something because I think Dyson Daniels he's been pretty good too. I know all the draft guys love that. He's been he's been up and down, but Dyson Daniels has been a good find for them. Yeah, for sure. But Bradley Bill recently came out. I guess he was asked the question again why he chose the Wizards over leaving. But he basically came out and said, I don't know what else he said around it, but it was basically his his comment was basically, there was no market for me. And I called Cap. And when you hear that, and of course you that's you automatically go, you Bradley Bill, you could have went anywhere you wanted to go for the most part. But it's not I get what he mean by there's no market. Cause he was never gonna get from anybody else what he was going to get from the Wizards. That's what he mean. That's, I mean, yeah. That's I, a fancy way of saying the Wizards could pay me the most. Because if you think about it, there was other teams who could have, I think the Lakers could have put a package together to get Bradley Bill. I think Portland could have, I think uh, Dallas, maybe not Brooklyn, but I think it's even a chance there for Brooklyn. I think Atlanta could have put the same exact package they got for DeJounte Murray to get Bradley Bill. Um, if, if Brad showed the intentions of leaving, all he had to do was say, I'm signing with this team. They would have made the space available to sign him. I, I'm not going with the the market wasn't what. I, the way I take that is the Wizards could offer me the most. Other people's going to have to move money to get me. So the money was already less, and then I, they were going to have to figure out how to get me. And I didn't necessarily want to go to one of those teams. And I don't think it's – and, of course, you can't come out and say Look that. Look at the trades that was made over the summer. If a team was motivated to get him, if he's showing that he's motivated to leave, nobody believed he was going to leave. So, no, people didn't start getting off of players to open up space because they didn't think he was going to leave. But you can't tell me that a team – teams look at these teams that was looking for guards. Atlanta traded for a guard. The Knicks signed a guard. Cleveland traded for a guard. Brad led the league in scoring a couple years ago. If Brad wanted to go somewhere else – teams would have made just a few years ago we saw the Drew trade with Milwaukee and Milwaukee still looking for it was still 
If Bradley Beal wanted to leave Washington, it would have happened. He didn't want to leave, and I'm okay with that. I wish players were just like I was with him when he was keeping it real from the start about, hey, I don't, you know, my kids is here. This is a team that drafted me. Uh, if I win here, it'd be bigger than I've win. If that's your stance and that's what you believe, cool. If your stance is they could pay me the most, I want that. Cool, but it wasn't a market for a twenty. Point per game, he's averaging 22 right now, but typically a 24 to 25 point per game scorer, a shooter, somebody that can play off the ball and that can that can um, run your offense, it was no market for Bradley Bill. Like, I'm not, I don't believe that. I just personally don't believe it. No, I, I'm definitely on your camp and I don't believe that either because, like, like you say, any number of moves could have been made to help you go to the team of your choice. And the team of your choice is watching because my whole thing as well is, you know, I get why you don't necessarily want to leave to go, you know, for a chance to win a championship because how much does my legacy change even with a championship? Right. Because that, that me going to win a championship doesn't guarantee I'm going to be a 30-point game score for the rest of my life. I'm going to be an all-NBA first-teamer or any of that stuff. It's just I got a championship now. So, no, your legacy doesn't change. Like, he's not going to be a top-five shooting guard ever because he wins one championship. So, I really do get if that is, like I said, that's your stance, that's cool. Like, no matter what I do, I'm going to be Bradley Bill at the end of my career. But the CSA ain't no market out there for you because you wanted what you got from Washington. You probably wasn't, and not that you probably wasn't, but you probably couldn't get that from anybody else. Right. That, that's a cop out. And at that I, point. I think, and I wish that he, like they could tell the truth too. Like he probably saw some of the moves that he that they made and thought, which they did start the season solid. He probably thought they were gonna be a solid team. Yeah, be had, You add Przingis, you add Kuz is coming back. Will Barton is a solid player. Uh, you you were gonna get uh, Hachimura this year. They added Monte Morris. They added some solid players. Brad is always hurt, as he's been in the past. He's he's missed some game, two games this year. Uh, Hachimura's been out. They've had injuries hit them or whatever. But I'm just not buying. If you're saying that there's no market for you. If, if the market went out there, then you're saying you're not as good as the players we think you are. Because great players can get moved at any moment. Like, I ain't hearing the team. Players will literally make a decision to sign with a team before they even know the team got the money. And they're going to make it work. That happened. I wish I could remember who that happened with this summer. But it was a deal this summer. And it wasn't made official until the team got off of the money. It was official, but it wasn't official because the team had to clear the space to make right. it all the way official. I, I believe that kind of happened with DeJounte also. I could be completely wrong, but that happened with somebody over the summer. If Brad was like, I'm, I'm checking my options and really checking his options, hey, I'm, I'm really interested in going to Dallas. I'm really interested in going to the Lakers. I'm really interested in going to Portland. I'm really interested in going to Cleveland. Really interested in going to the Knicks, Brooklyn, the Hawks. He would be there. Anybody, right? No, for surely. And um, one last check in. Miami Heat, who everybody thought was going to be another conference finals contender this year, it's kind of struggled coming out the gate. I think they're sitting at like 11 and 13 or something like that. Yeah, that sounds right. But of course, they didn't do much to change the roster. They 12 and 15. Up What's the record? 12 and 15. 12 and 15. They didn't do much to change the roster. They figured, you know, what they had last year was good enough. They brought it, they let go of P.J. Tucker, though. To see Miami kind of struggle this year, especially after you paid Tyler Hero, you paid Duncan Robinson a couple years ago, um, which doesn't matter. You got to come out here and you got to play. You got to be able to get on the court. 
Doc Robinson can't get on the court right now because he can only shoot, and he's not even doing that well right now. Did you expect Miami to be struggling right now? Which they probably pick it up come January because that's what the Heat do. But did you expect the early season struggle from them this year? No, but we should have predicted this. This always kind of happens with Miami when you think about it. They have a successful season with these unlikely players that we think with these unlikely players that we didn't know about coming to the year. Last year, Struz gave Vincent, uh, Caleb Martin, um, but we know about Tyler Hero, but Tyler Hero averaging 26 man of the year. And then it just always seems like it doesn't follow up the next year. We saw that with the, the Josh Richardson, Hassan Whiteside, uh, t- uh, Tyler Johnson teams. We saw that with Duncan, with the Duncan Robinson. It's like they have a good year. All right, we're going to run it back. Don't make a lot of impact free agency-wise. You're running back with the same team, and it's a struggle. I do think they're going to get it together because I think Coach Bowles is one of the better coaches in the league. They got too many vets on their team to be terrible. Jimmy Butler has eventually turned up. Like, and Jimmy's been playing good so far. Like He's been having some clutch games for him. He's been really good. But I feel like he hasn't. Feel like it's another level. Maybe he's reached that level. So maybe I'm putting too much, too much on Jimmy. Yeah, I, I can understand that. Maybe I'm putting too much on Jimmy. Um, but it's not a bad roster. But, but Miami has to, you know, what I mean, they got to improve the roster. I think like they, people thought they were gonna get so much out of Ola Depot this year. Has he played this year? Real question. <laughs> has he played this year? And, and that was the thing. He, he was supposed to be healthy this year. He was supposed to be. Every year feels like it's supposed to be the year. Um, but I think Miami has to make some moves. They have to upgrade this team. They have to just put some some more energy in there. And stop just trying. Like I, it's, it's a gift and a curse to be able to find quality role players in, no disrespect, quote-unquote, no names. Because you, you get them for a bargain and the production – it's always amazing when you get them for a bargain. But sometimes you sometimes you have to get those names, those people that are established, that we know what they're going to do um, and add that to your team. And Because sometimes the no names, no disrespect, as I said, um, but I'm just saying no names to the, to the, and I don't say casual as a disrespect, but to the casual fans that don't know you and don't know the whole roster or whatever. But once you're on scouting reports, that makes stuff such a big difference. Like we we talked about Max Struess the other day, who's still having a solid season. He's averaging 13 points per game. But we all talked about Max Struess last year because he was shooting 41% from the three, and then this year you shoot 35 from three. And, and that's higher than league average. So it's like, what can you complain about about 35 from three? 35 and 41 are big differences. And you got... 41 is like sniper. Yeah, and 35 you, is we can run plays. We can run plays where you, we, you... They got to respect you as a shooter. 41 is like know where he's at at all times. You changed the whole defensive game plan with 41% from line three. Exactly. So to have such a drop-off from that from even that off, position... Even your offensive team game plan is different with a 41% three-point Exactly. Like, you, you're... Like you just said, we running plays for you. Or even Caleb uh, Caleb Martin led the league in three-point shooting last year. Still shooting 42% from three this year. But he was at like 46 or something like that last year. He was at a crazy number. That he come with injury problems as well. So, I don't know if that number stick. Let me see if I can pull it up real quick. Uh, nope, he's actually shooting. I guess that was just early in the year. But I remember he was at the top of the league in threes for a while. So, whatever. He's back about where he was at. But I just feel like when you depend on those players and then the next year they become part of the scouting reports and you see noticeable parts of their game taking a step back, 
that hurts your team, especially because you're investing in them this year. You didn't upgrade those positions because it's like, hey, we're going to see what you could do. And as a team that's trying to compete for a championship, because Miami's not competing just to make the playoffs. They're trying to go to the finals. They were in the finals a few years ago in the bubble. They made the Eastern Conference Finals last year. Miami's trying to go to the championship. Jimmy isn't young. Bam is getting older. Tyler Hero's going to want to check and a starting spot in a minute. He already got a check. So, yeah, he did get that check. Yep, he did get his check. So, definitely coming for that starting spot. Kyle Lowry's getting up there in age also. Who we believe in this. No, I, and just before we, before, we go, before we get out of here, you always bring up the scout report thing, and I don't think a lot of people they think, think that, that they ain't real. <laughs> and I'm not even speaking for the Heat. I remember um, it was earlier this year. It was the anniversary of the Liz Sanity thing. If somebody was asking, like, on how did he, a player, like, you know, that, you know, basically, how did a player who was providing that much, that much production fall off so fast? And I just, like, hey, once your name get on that scout report, is look out for from go Once it goes from he might do this to this is what he's looking to do, right. this is what we want him to stop him doing, it's, it's a totally different thing. And we just see it happen to so many players that go from, no, like once again, no disrespect, but no name, no scout report type of play, players to now you're on the scout report even a little bit, and we can see those things, those changes happen because, like you said, 35 is above league average, but I think it's back up to 34 this year, but it was like right. 33 last year. Right. But 35 and 41 is a big difference. Big difference. That shows how much space and how many free shots that the teams aren't giving you. Right. Like that's just and that just is what it is. Like y'all better y'all NBA Twitter people better start believing in that scout report, man. Right. Right, the scout. I, I just, I'm, I'm like so big on that because it's like the NBA, and it's like you can get a couple games off of people, like whatever. But once you, you, you're the numbers is also leading to wins, and that even put into the ego of the players. Of like, I literally was just listening to KG on the Nuckhead podcast. And he was talking about the insanity thing, like you just said, and when he was going off and. His name started popping up on the scout report, and Rondo was like, I'm finna shut all that down. Because Rondo, now you on my mind for real, opposed to, man, who is this guy, whatever. Now I'm, I'm, I can back off you some time to time again because I don't expect nothing from you. Right, but now it's like, oh, he on Sports Center. He hitting some game winning shots. He putting up some numbers. Oh, yeah, we finna shut all that down. Being on the scout report matters just as much as for your own team. Not just being someone in the offense, but actually saying, all right, this player's for him, this player's for him, this set is for him. That stuff all make a difference because you're being game planned for. And in the, the it's 82 games in the season. You can get away with certain stuff because people, not that they don't respect your game, but it's like, all right, we don't really, we don't know him like that, so we don't really care if he's going if, if to, we don't know if he's really going to necessarily lead them to these wins or not. You've been on the scouting reports, like, like you just said, that's a player that we got to take away. This is one of our keys to victory, or he does something that we need to take away. And when somebody's game planning to take away something that you specifically do, that's where you got to have your counters. And even past the counters, you just got to be able to still do what you do. They don't want me to shoot threes, and I'm still going to shoot threes. They don't want me to get to the mid-range. Everybody every night is game planning to keep DeMar DeRozan out the mid-range, but he's over the years have still found a way to get to that mid-range shot and not compare the two players because he's a way better player, obviously. But to go through years of people game planning to stop you from doing that, sometimes you get past just doing counters and being like, yeah, this is what I do. So you can try to stop it, but you really can't. So no, sure. the, 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 the scout report is a big thing. If it wasn't, it wouldn't be a part of the game. No, yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. But other than that, you got anything else before we get out of here? 
no, other than that, uh, you know, I also want to just acknowledge the uh, shout out to Brittany Griner. Uh, she finally was released in the prisoner swap. Uh, she almost did a year in jail in, in Russia after she was sentenced to what, what however many years it was, almost eight years, I think it was nine years. So um, I know she's happy to be, to be home. Her wife is happy to have her home. If I was her, I don't even think I would play this year, but it's still such a long way out from the WNBA season. Who knows where her mind is going to be as far as playing the game, but just want to sense positivity there that, you know, like you just got to, she just got to think differently. Now after, and I'm not saying that to say she got to move differently. I'm just saying like literally her mind has to be different after what she's been through since February of this year, sitting in jail, being sentenced to a decade, not knowing if you coming home, even down to the fact that, man, they had to swap me out for an arms dealer just to bring me home. So uh, she was locked up way too long. It clearly was a political case. So just want to say salute to her for finally, uh, you know, being released and being able to come home and being in the United States. And hopefully, you know, she can take as much time as she needs to get herself, get herself right, get her mind right, get back comfortable in life, period. No. And so. Uh, salute to Brittany Griner for coming home, uh, for finally being able to come home. One more time, RP to Paul Silas. Uh, um, other than that, uh, just always appreciate the supporters, you know, everybody that listened to the pod. Been doing some pretty good numbers this year, so shout out to the consistent support we always get. Um, you know, you can find us anywhere podcasts are available, Spotify, Apple. Uh, and all those other cool places you find your podcast. Um, make sure you subscribe to us on YouTube. Search the Hoopers Pod. YouTube actually does this thing where you got a username. Now our username is at the Hoopers Pod. So, you know, that helps you find it any easier. Do that. Subscribe, comment, like some stuff. Go watch some old stuff. It hasn't been updated, but it will be soon. Um, that's all I got. Nah, yeah. And just to uh, piggyback off the Brittany Grinder thing, like say saying her positivity, but please content creators, podcasters, like my brother said, she has to have a whole different mentality right now. Right. Leave her alone. Don't try to get interviews with her. Please leave her alone. Yeah. At least for six months. Like I even saw the WBA president say, you know, we obviously reached out to her to let her know. Nobody, you know nobody. If you, if you, when you want to talk to us, whatever you need us, hit us up. But besides that, we're going to leave you alone. Like, please just say, just don't expect her to do no interviews. Like, don't request no interviews. And I'm sure some of y'all already done sent them. Leave her alone. Let that. Let her have the. I, I, like I said, if I was her, I wouldn't even play this year. I, I'm sure when the season starts kicking in, because we still got a couple months. Please don't. She's gonna get she the itch to play. I, I wouldn't be surprised if she got the itch to play because we creatures of habits. You missed the whole last year. You probably want the game to be a safe spot for you again, even though it seems like. Going over there to play the game almost took so much away from her. But yeah. if she want to take the next year off, leave Britain grinder. Nah, for sure. But with that being said, I'm John W. Fresh X. And this was the Hoopers Pod.